Hey there, and welcome to the Going Global podcast. My name is Duncan Malcolm, and I'm your host. As always with the Going Global podcast, we are talking to experts and entrepreneurs about actionable insights that you can use to help grow your business. This week is no different. We're talking to Salvador Brigman. He's the founder of crowdcrux.com, one of the leading websites about how you can run a successful crowdfunding campaign. Um, he's also the author of Equity Crowdfunding Explained. This week, we're talking to him about how you can use crowdfunding to raise money for your business. Um, we talk about marketing, we talk about the legal, some of the legal aspects, um, we talk about some of the challenges of having hundreds if not thousands of potential investors. Um, and about halfway through, um, Salvador's got some very interesting insights about uh, some of the mistakes that people make, some of the common mistakes people make when they're trying to promote their crowdfunding campaigns. So. Uh, with that all said, uh, in this video we do talk about uh, investing in uh, campaigns and in businesses. Please do not take anything in this video as professional investment advice and if you are considering an investment, we recommend that you seek professional advice. If you like our videos, please subscribe below. And with that all said, let's get to the podcast. Okay, Salvador, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. You're the uh, founder of Crowdcrux, kickstarterforum.org, crowdfundingforum.org, crowdfundingpr.org. And you've really put yourself in the kind of center of, uh, of equity crowdfunding and crowdfunding in general. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Totally, man. Um, I'm looking forward to talking about it. You know, crowdfunding, I have a YouTube channel out there. I've written books on the subject. So really any way that my knowledge can help you guys, uh, help the viewers, I'm, I'm here for you. That's awesome. So just to get started, I guess, what is equity crowdfunding and what is crowdfunding in general, just for the people who, who aren't, uh, yeah. aren't aware of it? So crowdfunding, I think most of us think of like GoFundMe, we think of charity websites like that. We might think of Kickstarter, Indiegogo, maybe we've seen one of those really big Kickstarter campaigns that just blew up, you know, raised a million dollars, a couple million. Um, and it's sort of the way you think about it is the obligations that you have. So when you have a Kickstarter campaign, your obligation once you raise money is to ship out all of these perks or rewards that people have claimed and get into the hands of your backers. And that's really when the cool stuff happens because then you have people like around the world experimenting with your prototype, they're giving you feedback, you then have existing customers, you can create another product, another yeah. Kickstarter. So that's really where Kickstarter comes into play. But a lot of people have said, well, wouldn't it be cool if there was something like Kickstarter but for equity? So rather than getting a product, you're actually going to invest in the business when you pledge money. So you pledge, you know, five hundred dollars. You actually get a shares shares of the company. I think a lot of people sort of felt this when um, the Oculus Rift. So the Oculus Rift is the the technology behind VR. And um, these guys, they raised like a, a couple million on Kickstarter, and then they were doing really well. And then they got this opportunity from Facebook, where Facebook's like, "Hey, we love your technology. We want to buy you out." I think they made like a billion or two on that offer. Which is crazy. You know, they they went from being this like small tech startup to selling to Facebook and getting billions of dollars. You know, the founder is now rich, and people were always really happy. But the problem was the people who actually backed the project they didn't see anything. They didn't see any financial reward from that. So I think it was really frustrating and infuriating. So equity crowdfunding is exactly that. It's sort of remedying that problem where now you can actually invest in a startup company. One of these equity crowdfunding campaigns are public. People can raise funds. They can not only get the funds, but they also get a bunch of people, what I call brand ambassadors, that then are gonna spread the word about your project. So we can get into the nitty gritty, but that's sort of like, I would say, an overview of the difference here um, in how those work. And I guess it I guess it, it depends on what kind of product you're doing in terms of what type of funding you might want to get. I'm guessing as you're saying if it's a more consumery product like a, a better space pen or a 
yeah, I've seen all sorts of interesting stuff on Kickstarter where you've got one small consumer product that kind of that might fit well, but then I guess there's some things that fit that just don't fit within that. So if you're doing B two B services, if you're doing uh, financial services or any kind of area like that where there isn't a tangible product, software. Out the back of it. yep, software. Um, it's that and also, you know, like I said, the obligations that you want. So if you don't want to have to deal with shipping out all these products to people and instead you want to deal with shareholders and you're more looking for people that are going to be a part of your business, um, it's just different incentives that are aligned and there are also different things that go into it. So like the entire strategy is different. You have to also get legal help involved. Uh, you have to go through different regulations because you're offering securities for sale in the United States. So it's just a completely different ballgame, you know. And what's the, I mean, in terms of uh, market size, we were talking a little bit before before the calls in terms of market size, which which one, which area do you think is growing the fastest between kind of the non-equity and equity and um, where yeah. do you see it going over the next couple of years? Well, I, I mean, there's really no doubt that uh, non-equity is much larger because it also has had more time to mature. So you have, you know, Kickstarter doing billions of dollars and helping creative projects and technology projects getting financed. Also, Indiegogo, you know, other crowdfunding sites out there. So they're really big now. Uh, when it comes to equity crowdfunding, at least in the United States, it's definitely much smaller. But um, we've seen lots of people use like Regulation A plus. I don't know how technical you want to get here, but like Reg A plus to raise a bunch of money. We see real estate companies even doing offerings to those regulations, doing what's called real estate crowdfunding. Um, and then we see more Title Three or what's called regulation crowdfunding. Some of these other smaller startups raising, you know, a million dollars going through those regulations. So it's definitely a lot smaller. You know, I would say, um, you know, Kickstarter is probably like 10, 10 times as much uh, traditional crowdfunding, but the pace is growing a lot quicker. You know, for Kickstarter to double its size, double the amount it's raising, it'd have to double a lot of money versus equity crowdfunding can double much more rapidly. You know? And I totally buy into what you're saying in terms of the, the for the right audience as well, because there are definitely consumer products which are niche within an audience, but then where you get those brand ambassadors, whether it's whether it's a specific type of baby product or a specific type of environmental product, uh, environmentally friendly product, where you probably wouldn't get the audience or you might struggle to get a, a large amount of investors, there's probably enough investors to be able to, to get you moving in those kind of smaller areas where people believe in the idea, even if the, even if the service or product isn't there yet totally and you also have people who work in a particular industry and they see the problems in that industry and they're like oh man i totally get this solution like why this needs to exist i'm already working in this industry if this thing existed they already have that knowledge when it comes to their job or when it comes to the other existing solutions they're like yeah this thing has to exist so it allows those like everyday ordinary americans ordinary people um, to basically own for the first time ever a share in in startup companies. Yeah, I mean, so it, it definitely couldn't, couldn't do that before. It democratizes the whole thing in terms of everyone has access to the same types of uh, the same types of investments or the same types of opportunities that others have, and you have a little bit more control, I guess, in terms of even if it's not for the financial reward. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. And I think and just imagine like being able to get in on the ground floor of something like Uber or something like Facebook or Twitter or Pinterest. You know, these these early stage startups are really reserved historically for people that are in the know, people who know the founders, maybe like thirty close friends and family that end up really benefiting when that when that you know skyrockets and you get more funding rounds and starts to get a lot of traction. Now you can actually get in on the ground floor of one of these. So I think it's a really really exciting times. 
Yeah, I mean, it's magic. And in terms of size, I think what you were saying that it's small, but I mean, crowdfunding in terms of the this kind of top four platforms from, from the UK side of thing and the kind of bigger bigger ones in the US, they're still looking at $1.9 billion worth of deals through those versus the total of $4.7 billion between Kickstarter and Indiegogo. So while the deals, the number of deals is a bit lower, the overall turnover there is still high. There's still, there's, this is serious cash in terms of the amount yeah, that yeah. people are raising. I mean, I think people also forget, you know, going back in time to when Kickstarter was actually founded, the first year or two of Kickstarter, no one had any idea what that was. Like, no one had any idea what crowdfunding was. Like, I came into the picture probably like three, um, maybe, yeah, about three years into when Kickstarter was founded. And it was just then starting to get a little bit of traction. It was starting to get a little bit of more popularity. So it was, it's, now it's like a household name. Everyone knows about crowdfunding, or a lot of people do. Um, these, these, these trends start small. And particularly when there are regulations, which I sort of help people cut through all of that red tape and sort of get a sense of what they have to do. When it's, it gets easier and easier and the regulations are less strenuous, then more and more companies can get funded. And just it, it makes sense. You know, it, it's a solution to a problem that's out there. That makes sense. So if I'm a business and I want to start raising some cash through through crowdfunding or equity crowdfunding, where's the best place to start without kind of getting too bogged down in the legal details? Although I guess that's really relevant depending on depending on where you're based. It is. Um, but I, I would say, OK, so the, the best way to get started is to think about um, how how big is your funding round going to be, because that's going to dictate which regulations you raise under and also what goes into a particular campaign. So like if you're raising under one hundred thousand dollars, it's very easy to do an equity crowdfunding campaign. If you're looking for something more like 500 K or million um, or you're looking for more than that, then you have to really start to think more about, OK, what regulations make sense? How am I going to actually conduct this campaign? Um, what are the costs going to be, you know, legal and also accounting related stuff? So I'd first say think about the amount of funding that you need. And then the second would be begin to think about the resources that you have to tap into. So like one of the really big sections of my book is the marketing component, because I think a lot of people think you can just like throw up a project online and it instantly is going to get funded or it's instantly going to get traffic. But there's an entire strategy behind that, which I detail in the book. So that would be the next one. And then sort of digging more deep into the different platforms that offer these and building those relationships. I think those are like the three basic steps. That makes sense, and I'll come straight on to the marketing piece in a minute because I remember re- re- reading through that piece. Um, in terms of just the challenges there, so I've been in businesses where we've had two or three investors or four investors, and managing four investors is time-consuming, tiring. Um, they're quite demanding. It's a sometimes. lot of work. It's a lot of work. <laughs> what's the what's what's it like, or you know, what have your impressions been of managing hundreds or thousands of investors in a company? Because surely that's a, that's a whole different type of challenge. Or does it make it easier because also, there's a hundred smaller investors? Yeah, I also want to congratulate you for finishing my book because I know it gets very <laughs> dense and, and deep into these different like regulations and, and rules. So I might have skimmed a few of the regulation parts. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I don't blame you. Um, yeah, so I would say that when it comes to that, um, wait, so so I, I guess the, the way that we can think of it, first of all, is um, when you're trying to, to raise funds and you're trying to do an equity crowdfunding campaign, you're sort of outlining this strategy. One of those components is going to be a little bit of customer service. Like if you're doing a regular crowdfunding campaign, you have all these backers, you have a thousand or two thousand backers, you have to do a little bit of customer service. 
The same thing goes with investors. So you're going to be getting questions. You're going to be getting questions about your strategy. You can manage that with, say, webinars or having these open sessions. Um, you're every once in a while you're going to have to update your investors. You now the great thing is if you don't have you have someone putting you know you know two thousand dollars into your company, they obviously don't have as much say over the trajectory of where you guys are going as if you have a VC firm you know that's putting in two hundred k or a couple of VCs firms that are contributing to a funding round. So like there's a difference there in the weight of opinion. You still have to have someone whose job it is to be aware of the sentiment of your investors. It's kind of like almost if you did like a mini IPO. Like you you have the market sentiment there, the small group, the small float of your shares. And these people are, you know, they have legitimate opinions. They have legitimate feelings about what you're doing. So you do have to address that. And that, that's definitely one of the downsides. But at the same time, it's really powerful because it means that you have all these people who are willing to spread the word about your, your company or your startup to their friends. You know, they, they can go out there. They can talk about your project. They can share it on social media. And there's almost that incentive there to do that. Um, you know, I kind of like to think about Bitcoin because Bitcoin has a built-in community where the people who share and talk about it are incentivized to do so because when they do, the price of Bitcoin, more demand, more people get in, and it actually raises everything. So you can kind of think of it a little bit like that. Yeah, and I, and I guess the, there is an advantage there in terms of the, the relationship being less strong and as much as that if you have taken money from friends and family and it all yeah. goes wrong, then, then that, you know, that could cause some you know, tension and friction. Uh, whereas if the relationship is less strong and it's smaller amounts of money or from a larger number of people, um, then you're, you're a little bit better isolated or a little bit, the relationship's a little bit better defined, I guess, um, rather than where, you, where you're kind of uh, hustling with friends, family and extended friends where, where you could, mm -hmm. could step on a few toes here and there. It is, yeah. I mean, you also do have to respect, though, obviously, the investors and, and really have them at your forefront because they're the ones that are helping you spread the word and they're the ones that are giving you cash you know for your company yeah and that makes sense so then what makes a good pitch and you, you went into quite a lot of detail in terms of marketing and uh email campaigns and uh videos and all the whole the whole piece i think that's one piece that you really kind of highlight that it's not just yeah. a case of deciding to raise money pop it quickly on kickstarter put a three minute video in on off your iphone and you're off there seems to be a lot more effort that's kind of required to make it really successful if you want to go down that road. Yeah. Well, I think I think we think of investing and we think of things like creating a business plan and very like dry financial documents and the things that you're going to go over logically, very heavy, dense material. But when you're doing something that's public in nature, you're sharing an opportunity on social networks, you're sharing an opportunity with people who are almost more so buyers than they are investors. Um, the entire arena just flips. So you go from being someone who's just educating, going over statistics, going over data and pie charts, to someone who's really trying to communicate your vision and get people to buy into your story and why it is you're so passionate about this company and also the vision that you have for the future and the way maybe this technology can disrupt existing players, if we're doing more of a physical product, why this is better than every other solution out there, you know, it's 10x better. So you do a lot of stuff, first of all, coming from your story and the vision that you're creating. And that's really what gets people's emotional attention. You know, everyone's looking through like cat videos, looking through funny videos online. They're looking through, if you're on YouTube, you can go down like a YouTube wormhole, just looking at like random shows and random videos. Um, you have to really get people's attention first. So that's what you do is like, you first try to emotionally spike their attention 
And then of course, you're gonna supplement that with detailed information with your pitch, explaining why this is a great opportunity, market size, et cetera. So it starts with the video. Um, the video is probably your most important asset when it comes to your pitch. It also allows people to get to know you, the founders of the company. You know, there are a lot of great um, accelerators out there like Y Combinator. Um, y Combinator is really famous for saying that the startup idea doesn't almost doesn't really matter very much in the early stages. It's, it's all about the people, you know, the people that are actually working to execute the plan because they're the ones that are building out the company. You know, those are the ones that this, the, the success depends on. So the, the video also allows you to show a little bit of personality of your team, you know, who these people are that are actually executing on the vision. It sort of teases this entire offering. And then you can go more into the actual description of the campaign kind of functions a little bit like a sales page if you're into marketing actually. It's kind of it's kind of unique how that happens. That makes sense. And you talk about building relationships at scale. Is that what you're talking about in terms of webinars to try and humanize and build that kind of stronger relationship? So and bringing in social as well to so that the people can actually reach out to you as a person? Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm a you know I'm a sales guy. Like I like to think of things in terms of sales. So the way that I think of it when you're trying to raise money is you can never sell to a stranger. You, know, you can never get a stranger to invest in you. You can never get a stranger to buy your product or do anything like that. In order to get a stranger to do that, you have to warm them up first. You think of them as a lead, you have to warm up the traffic a little bit so they get a sense of who you are, they get a sense of what you're offering, the history of your company. So basically what you're doing with building relationships at scale, whether it's social media, whether it's driving people before they're launched to an email list, doing webinars, doing YouTube videos, whatever, you're basically warming people up to who you are, what it is you're doing, what your vision is, and why it is you're different than, than everyone else out there. And the more that people are warmed up in that way, the more the receptive they are. And there are, there are other mechanisms at play here that actually get someone to make that decision to invest in your company. So we, we can also go into that if you want. For sure. I mean, what are the big, what are the biggest mistakes that people make? They must see on a regular basis campaigns going out, and you just go, that you know, that's everything is perfect. The product's great, but that you know, if, if, if only they'd done that one thing. What are the kind of the top things where people really trip up? I think one of the bigger mistakes out there is um, not realizing what goes into like the mental triggers that get someone to take action. So, for example. A crowdfunding campaign is different than anything else out there because it's live for a specific amount of time. So when something has a fundraising duration, there's this creation of urgency that you have to get your investment in, otherwise you're not going to be able to in the future. So one of the mistakes is that people will not go out there and communicate that urgency. They'll just say, hey, check out my campaign, or hey, I'm doing this thing, or hey, like this is a new company, or raising money, or whatever. But if you actually communicate this urgency that this is why you have to check it out now, or this is why this is, this is only gonna be open for a limited amount of time, that urgency is what gets people's attention and it also gets them to, to take action and invest and rather than doing something else inside and be like, oh yeah, I'll get around to that. So I would say the first mistake is that. Um, another big mistake is, you know, along with urgency, social proof. So social proof is a concept where when you have something that people are checking out, or if you're you're walking down the street and you see a restaurant, it's bustling, lots of people in it, you're gonna take a second to look at the menu, look in the window and be like, why, why are all these people here? This must be a good restaurant, you know? 
Um, so when you have lots of people online checking out something, liking your post, investing already, it creates this, this sort of, um, it makes people wanna know what is happening. Like, Why is this thing blowing up? What is this company? What is this, this thing they're raising money for? So when you have this initial crowd of people that you send to the project to invest early, it sort of jump starts that process and you get other investors interested in what you're doing and you start to rank better in the platform and also on social media, you get more people more people interested. That makes perfect sense. So, I mean, that social proof piece is definitely worth having then some coverage before you go live with your product about your product in some sort of specialist magazine that represents the area or just anything that adds some sort of... Totally, some, yeah. Something that says that this person is a real person and this product is a, is a real product that people believe in or... Um, have seen and works or whatever the whatever the angle that's going on there you could do you could do anything whether that's interviews whether that's media publications going on youtubers channels doing interviews like this like any way that you can build social proof i think really helps with that launch because it's like you stand head and shoulders above other people it's kind of like if you if you are ever you've applied for a job um, you need a resume, you need credentials that really puts you head and shoulders above other people. Same thing with the business. When you have popularity or you have media mentions, it's very similar. It's like your credentials almost where people are like, oh, they're the real deal or they're credible or, oh, I'm going to take a few seconds to watch this video because it looks like it's interesting. No, that makes sense. I mean, in the in the in, for bigger businesses, you'd be looking at their Dun and Bradstreet and seeing if they're double A rating or you know wherever they fit. But if you're a startup or a small business, that you know the reality is is your Dun and Bradstreet is probably not going to be particularly uh, positive. So you have to you have to show growth or show interest for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right. Well, that's been extremely helpful. Um, I really appreciate the the time on that. Um, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way and how where can we find your book? Yeah, totally. So like I, I have a ton. You can tell like me right here talking about this. Like I get really passionate when it comes to crowdfunding. Like I could talk your ear off the entire day. Um, but it really comes down to, I think, um, also what the, the best company is for or a good fit for equity crowdfunding. So that's really something we didn't cover. I just want to spend like a, a minute on that. Yeah, yeah go for it. Um, so when it comes to the companies that are a good fit for equity crowdfunding, I think the, the most important one is that just looking at the statistics, a lot of technology and software related companies are going this route. We also see a lot of spirit and oddly beverage companies going and raising money through equity crowdfunding, maybe because they're not allowed to for certain you know, platform rules or regulations on Kickstarter or something like that. So we're seeing a lot of those uh, more like craft beer, you know, different um, wine and, 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 and you know, liquors and stuff like that, raising money with equity crowdfunding. We also see retail products, so there are a lot of new companies that are adopting these, but I think that technology and software, that's definitely one that has seen a lot of um, growth with equity crowdfunding. I haven't seen as much when it comes to like um, a board game or the creative projects or I'm trying to raise money for like a comic book. Like that, those usually stay on Kickstarter. So you know, if you're in the audience and you're working on an app or you're working on a, a web um, interface or some kind of tool for businesses or something like that, a B2B, like you mentioned, I think those, that's a really good marriage for equity crowdfunding worth looking into. If you're more on the creative front, you're trying to build your personal brand, you're trying to do coaching or consulting or something like that, that's probably not going to be as much of a good fit for, for equity crowdfunding. So what I do in the book is I basically go through these different nitty gritty regulations for the United States when you're raising money. Also go more in depth into the actual strategy, doing things like I call 
um, basically planning in um, instantaneous funding. So you're, you're basically baking in this, this tribe or this, this group of people that are gonna check out your project immediately when you launch. So you start to get some traction and some traffic and, and like we talked about, social proof. So I go through a lot of these, these strategies I also dissect some of the major players um, in the industry, like WeFunder, like Star Engine, Seed Invest. You know, um, I haven't focused honestly too much on the UK because there are other books out there that do a good job on that. And then I also go more into um, if you are an investor, how do you make it so you actually don't like lose your shirt? You know, how do you make it so you don't lose money? Because that, that's that's I mean that's that's I think a big worry. Um, especially like, you know, look at things like ICOs and people just kind of running away with money or people with crowdfunding campaigns, you know, defrauding their backers. How do you make it so that you don't make a stupid decision? We can also get in on an early stage startup. I also talk about that. So, um, the book is called equity crowdfunding explained. Yeah. It's on Amazon. I recently released it. Um, coming out with an audible version pretty soon. So it goes into all of that. If you want to check it out, my link is uh, crowdcrux.com slash equity. Awesome. So and I'll put my... a link for that in below in, yeah. the, in the notes as well. So it's, yeah, C-R-O-W-D-C-R-U-X.com slash equity. So I'll take you to the book there. And um, you can shoot me an email, you know, if you have any questions about that. And uh, can people reach you on Twitter? I saw you've got an awesome Twitter following. Yeah, Twitter. I mean, honestly, I think my YouTube channel. I love my YouTube channel, dude. <laughs> I don't know about you. Like, I just, I just love making videos. Um, so my YouTube channel is. You can search my name, Salvador Brigman, yeah. or crowdfunding demystified, and um, you'll, you'll bring up my YouTube channel. I've got a lot of free videos there. People can check out. That's a good place to go. That makes perfect sense. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time, Salvador. It's been really interesting. Thanks a lot, dude. You got me jazzed up here. <laughs> <laughs>